0: The following class was held at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at RedeemerNC.org. Uh, this morning, as uh, I got up early and Don was already up and Kay was up, I, um, we were sitting on one of their porches drinking our coffee, and I said, Don and Kay, I have to tell you, Everything you said about Redeemer is right. I just thought, yeah, yeah, I love my church. Blah blah. <laughs> 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 and they and, and because they were saying we love our church. They're wonderful people. They understand the mission of our church, and I'm going, so so I was telling it to Kay last night as we were driving home, but then Don was already asleep, of course, by the time we got home last night, so I had to tell him this morning. And I said, Don, what you said was true. You weren't lying. They are just wonderful people, so thanks. Thanks for working together to further the kingdom. How awesome is that? That is really great. Um, <clears throat> Now I kind of feel just a little bit obligated because I started with a couple of jokes. <laughs> so, but you know what? If you find a good joke, you, I, I just feel like, I, I don't want to waste this. I still got a couple more jokes here. Of course, they're coffee jokes. So let me, let me just read these. Okay, so if you were here last night... I was really worried about the second session last night because everyone's tired. It's a Friday night, so I was trying to tell jokes um, just so people maybe wouldn't be able to stay awake. I I didn't even know if I'd be able to stay awake, but anyway, so um, here's a couple of good coffee jokes. By the way, that's the other thing that you guys showed up today. It's a Saturday morning. You know how hard it is to get up early to give up your Saturday morning. So thank you. That's probably K. Part of the on mission, we're gonna we're gonna be diligent about being together. And yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So here's one one of the jokes. By replacing your morning coffee with green tea, you can lose up to eighty seven percent of what little joy you have left in your life. Here's just one more. (laughs) Roses are red. I wish I were in bed. I stink at poetry. Coffee. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, Last night, I wanted to make a little plug about reading your Bible, the importance of it, the importance of it. So let me just start out by telling you a little story of how God used just my daily Bible reading um, as an opportunity just to say something about Christ. I was, two weeks ago, I was, you know, I, I was, had a doctor's appointment. I went from a large waiting room to a small waiting room. You know how you do. It was a very small waiting room. And of course, we're all masked up. So I can't, you know, I, you can't tell anyway I saw that a lady was reading a book she said hello so I said hello and I said what are you reading it just looked like a large print novel you know how your you know your parents may have just a large print book so that's why I thought she was reading so I was going to ask her about it and she said oh this is a study on the book of Ezekiel I said whoa okay tell me a little about it and, she, and so she went on to explain a version and in, in, you know of what, of what she was reading. And I thought that was really interesting. And then she dug in her purse, and she pulled out a card and gave it to me, and it said JW.org. So I'm going, okay, this is Jehovah's Witness. Now I know what she's, now, now we know where it's coming from. So I sat there for a minute, and I said, what in the world could I say to her? Do I just let this go? I'm getting ready to go back to have a mammogram, for heaven's sakes. What do I do? Um, (laughs) Sorry, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) So So I thought for a minute. And my Bible reading that morning was Luke 23 and 24. And the beauty, one of the things I love about that last chapter in Luke is Jesus has been resurrected. But this is the story of the two men on the way to Emmaus. They were in Jerusalem. They saw what happened. They're brokenhearted because they don't know what has happened. And so they're walking back, and Jesus meets them and walks with them. So I said to the lady, I said, you know, I just read, I've just been reading in the New Testament. I've been reading Luke 23 and 24. And I said, what is so cool is Jesus meets these two men. And the Bible says he starts with the Old Testament with the prophets and explains everything in the Old Testament about himself. She said, oh. (laughs) She kind of shut it down, but I felt like just in a small instance, oh, maybe maybe that's even a good reason for me to read my Bible in the morning just for those little opportunities. Anyway, I'm going to tell you again, get in God's Word. Just get in God's Word. Study it out. That's why I'm excited to fill my new Bible with new things that God's Holy Spirit is teaching me. We always are learning. There's never a time you won't learn from God's word. And that's one of the reasons why I encourage you to read the Bible through, because, again, the things I needed to hear when I was 20 are different from the things I need to hear when I was 35 or when I was 56. You understand? That's part of what Scripture does. It is always current. It's for every age, for every generation, for every millennia, okay? So, that's my little plug there. Um, we're going to be in the New Testament. I just call this a tale of two sisters. So... Um, When we study Martha and Mary's life, and there are three particular instances in the New Testament that track their lives or part of their lives, and really what this is is a study of Jesus and how he interacts with a family, one family, and Jesus' reaction in each instance, and what he does to draw them closer to himself, to help them understand more about him. So when I say a tale of two sisters, it is more than just, we're not just studying Martha and Mary, we're studying Jesus, okay? Um, When we read in the Gospels, we read about people who first met Jesus, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Nathaniel. But in Luke 10, which is where we're going to start because this is the first instance that we read about Martha and Mary, the, the friendship between Jesus and this these siblings has already been established. We don't know exactly when. This family lived in Bethany, conveniently located two miles from Jerusalem. So again, you remember the three districts of Israel, Galilee, Samaria, Judea. Judea is where Jerusalem is, and right outside of Jerusalem is Bethany. Um, when uh, Jesus was on his preaching, healing tour, um, tours, he didn't need a place to rest. And so I think Martha and Mary's home just was such a quiet, hopefully, respite from the busy schedule that, that Jesus had. It was interesting when I started thinking about it um, that actually Jesus' earthly ministry began and ended in Bethany. Uh, John, I think it's John, yeah, John 128 says that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan near Bethany. And then we read in Luke how Jesus went back up to heaven 40 days after his resurrection in Bethany. So isn't that interesting that this little village um, had an important place in Jesus' life? Uh, commentators say that Martha was probably the older sister because she is mentioned first. So Martha and Mary. okay, um, And so she probably, she might have been the one to own the home that they lived in. So again, it is likely commentators say that she probably, they probably had some means. So let's begin reading in uh, Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, so they includes the disciples that were with Jesus. As they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed welcomed him into her home. Martha welcomed him. I want you to think for a minute, how do you welcome someone into your home? What does it look like? What preparation do you make? Do you make sure that the toilet paper roll is <laughs> over the <laughs> front? I don't know. Um, what if you don't know ahead of time? <sighs> that's, that's always scary to me. A number of years ago, a man who had a small, a, a friend of ours, he, he actually was a coach at the college that we my husband and I attended. He called, he had a small mission board, and he said, I've got a couple from Costa Rica coming This is Friday evening. I've I've got a couple coming from Costa Rica. Would you please host them? They're coming in Saturday afternoon. I'm going you know, okay, think of all the things you could be doing right now. Okay. (laughs) That's how I felt about my Saturday morning. There's so many other things I could be doing. And so I grudgingly said, Yeah, I will, okay. So you know, Then you spend the day just cleaning, which in the long run is always good. When you have company, it forces you to clean up, okay? That's good. That's a good thing. And we, we have to eat anyway. So, um, so we got prepared. It turned out that Gabby Prado had never been to the U.S. before. Her English was, was not real strong. Um, so Jose and Gabby Prado became our missionaries at Heritage Baptist. They have been dear friends for 20 years. I am so glad I got over myself and said, yes, we'll host them. Because the fallback is always, and and we could have done it, we could have said, oh, let, let the church just pay for a motel for them. But we would have missed out on a great friendship and, and, and just watching their kids grow, you know, all of that. So, in fact, they're going to be with us at our missions conferences next February, so it'll be good to see them again. Um, right from the start, Martha is seen serving. Now, we know that hospitality is a gracious gift. It shows up more than once in Martha's life, as we will see. And she knew the Torah. She knew the story, for instance, how Abraham welcomed three men into his tent and took care of them. She knew the commands in Leviticus 19 about caring for others in need. Who better to care for than Jesus. Remember, too, that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. So he needed rest. He needed food. He needed drink. And oh, how she wanted to serve. Basically, it's God is sitting at our table. That's pretty cool. Martha was also a follower of Jesus. It's interesting In the KJV, it says about Martha, who also sat at Jesus' feet. Now, that phrase is going to become important in in our talk today. So keep that in mind. But she also sat at Jesus' feet. So not only did she serve, but she also sat at Jesus' feet. So keep that in mind. She followed Jesus. Um, Married to always has her spot in the Gospels. Again, these three women come up three times in the Gospels. And every single time we see Mary, she's at Jesus' feet. Every single time. What did she hear on this particular occasion? So I started thinking about it. What what did she want to hear Jesus say? Now, earlier in uh, Luke 10 is a story of Jesus commissioning, sending out 70 men two by two to go into villages to heal, to preach, to spread uh, the gospel of the kingdom. Maybe she was asking him about that. Tell me about that. Were there some cool stories? You know, I don't know. Or maybe she was familiar with some of Jesus' parables. Maybe she, she said, tell me one of your parables. Because right before is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Maybe she said, well, you just tell me that one or tell me that one again. So she is sitting at Jesus' feet, and she wants to hear every word. I was thinking about this the other day. Did you ever think that just listening to someone honors them? We say, well, I've got so much to do. You have a question? Yeah, 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 and then go on to the next thing. But how honoring to really just sit for a minute. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, let me just answer this with you. Yeah, it's going to take a few minutes. Who's more important, people or the thing that's burning in my oven. (laughs) That's not a very good illustration, but anyway. (laughs) Um, All right, so. uh, I I even, okay, this is another one I was thinking of. Did she want to hear Old Testament stories of Jesus when he came to earth in his pre-incarnate state? Because Jesus appeared occasionally in the Old Testament. Maybe she was asking about that. Tell me this story. I don't know, but she sat and listened to Jesus. Now, Jesus must have been tired. Again, he was human. He was on the road all the time. He was tired. Maybe he might have been thinking, boy, it sure would be nice to take a nap right now. I would just like to get away from the crowd. But could he stop being Jesus? Could he stop fulfilling his mission? No. Jesus taught and taught to Martha and Mary. He didn't take a nap. He took time. Let me talk with these dear friends. Um, Commentators, again, have made note of Mary always being at Jesus' feet and it's interesting because only men had the privilege of sitting under, literally, a rabbi or a teacher to learn scripture. Women didn't have that right. So what an unusual opportunity for Jesus to sit with these women and talk, talk about his father. Um, Herbert Lockyer called it the College of the feet. I like that idea. All right. Now, we have all been in Martha's place before. Company's coming, there's so much to do, and our husbands, our children, our roommates are doing nothing to help. They're just kind of standing by helplessly while we're almost a blur going back and forth doing all these different things. This is what it says. Let's keep reading. She had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Distracted comes from a Greek word, perispeo, which means to draw away, to draw away. She was drawn away by the meal prep yeah okay they needed to eat but she was drawn away and she forgot god is sitting at our table she forgot that no doubt martha had her um had her heart or her hands anyway in the right place she was punching out the dough she was slicing the roasted lamb giving the figs a stir picking out the best olives and stuffing them with pimento. Just kidding. That's just a joke. I just do that to see if you guys are still listening, okay? (laughs) Um, Have you ever wanted someone to notice what you were doing without actually saying it? So obviously, I am really good at that. Bigger gestures, deep sighs, banging a pot... Maybe throwing flour on my face. Why aren't they noticing? (laughs) That's Martha, I fear. And nobody's getting the hints. No one's getting it. Finally, Martha is just keeping it real. And she says, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Tell her to help me. Martha's response in the kitchen is a clue that something is amiss. Again, one of the things we can understand, and this this is true with discernment, um, what comes out of a person 's mouth or or their reactions is an indication about what's going on inside. Something was amiss, something was not quite right with Martha. Um, not only did Martha not want to listen, she, she didn't think she had time to listen, but she didn't want Mary to listen either. So she's, she's dragging, trying to drag Mary into all of it. Um, serving is good, but Mary had the discernment to realize that listening is better. This time, for this time, listening is better. She knew God is sitting at our table. You could have cut the silence like a knife. This is how I picture it. I think Jesus excused himself and he addressed Martha. He doesn't shake his finger in her face. He doesn't tisk. He is her guest and he is kind. Jesus always says, the right thing, at the right time, in the right spirit. All right. In your, somewhere in your notebook, there are the questions for Martha and Mary, and there is a Martha Mary list. And I want us to just kind of talk through And siblings hate to be compared, okay? And we're actually going to do a little comparison here just for a minute. But I just want you to get a clear picture of this time, what's going on. First of all, for Martha, number one, she's distracted. She's distracted. She is drawn away, Paris Bayo. She's distracted with, number two, much serving. It's not that serving is wrong. How do you think a a meeting like this would go on if, if there were not people willing to serve? It's not that serving is wrong, but sometimes there is something better. Okay? So... Not only is she distracted, and number two, there's much serving, but notice what Mary was doing. Mary was doing some things. Number one on Mary's side, she sat. Oh, that's not doing anything. Yes, it is. And number two for Mary, she listened. All right, so look at the comparison here distracted, sat. Much serving listened. It doesn't sound like anything's going to get done around that place. Perhaps you know the law of distraction that I sometimes experience at my house. I get ready to vacuum and I find a little piece somewhere and I pick it up. Where does that go? Oh yeah, that goes here in the drawer. So then I open the drawer and oh man, this drawer is a mess. Let me start. I don't know if you guys ever do that, but I do. I get distracted The law of distraction. Well, so she was distracted. She was, yeah, she was just too busy at that time. I remember, and and here's where, sometimes I would be just a little upset with my husband or maybe kind of even men in general, because I'm going, men can't multitask. And I would kind of pride myself that I can multitask. But let me tell you how bad this was for my multitasking. So our children are close in age. I was, (laughs) this is so bad. I was making uh, cheese sauce for supper while I was nursing my baby while I was throwing small chunks of cheese down to my toddler at my feet. (laughs) That was was so bad. I hate to admit that to you, but I was kind of proud of it. I'm multitasking. I'm doing lots of stuff. But I wasn't giving any attention to the people who were most important. And that wasn't right. All right, so... uh, So I say all that to say this. Sometimes it's not great to be a multitasker. Sometimes the fact that my husband can focus on one thing and he gets it done, okay? I I need to admit that. I need to learn from that. All right, let's go back to Martha and Mary. Number three for, uh, for Martha, the Bible says she was anxious. Number four, the Bible says she was troubled oh, wait a minute, she's trying to do something good. Where does this anxious and troubled come from? This doesn't make sense. This isn't right. This isn't how it should be. And on Mary's side, I'm just going to call it the good portion. She has chosen the good portion, the good thing. So that's kind of like three and four for Mary. Let me tell you um, one other thing about um, becoming distracted. Uh, My husband has been in ministry for 42 years, so I have served along with him. Uh, As a pastor's wife, you can imagine Sundays are very busy. Um, I'm involved in a number of things, teaching and music and all that kind of stuff, and so I, and our children were still at home. So what I would do is I would play the piano for the early service, teach Sunday school, go practice with the choir, play for the second service, and go home. So I couldn't, because I didn't listen to my husband's sermon twice, I, just once. So I came home, and I was, I was starting to get mad because I was literally an understand. This will tell you something about myself. I was probably purposely running. Now, it's true. I had to be hurried, But I kind of wanted people to see, look how busy Carol is. She's working so hard. Pat her on the back. So I got home this particular day, and I was was getting really upset. And I said, I just need to tell Roger I am just doing too much. Something's got to give. What am I going to do? And then I, I said, so I'm, to, I'm tossing the salad. So I'm telling you, by the end, I'm tossing the salad, you know, because I'm getting, and again, my neck, oh man, it was bad. So then I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to tell just my husband. I'm going to tell all the deacons. I'm just going to tell them how busy. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. I was in that kitchen by myself, tossing and getting angry, And God so sweetly, man, his Holy Spirit is kind, but I remember it to this day. And his spirit said, Carol, can't you give me one day? Can't you give me one day? And I said, oh Lord, yes. Yes, I can give you a day. And from that day, Maybe 25 years ago to this day, my attitude has changed because my focus was not on my busyness, but on making sure I was worshiping God and that I was serving with joy, not grudgingly. So I say that I had become so anxious and troubled that I forgot Who I was serving. All right. So, number five. You might even say it this way. Who is the anxious and troubled one? The server. The server was the anxious and troubled one. Serving is good. What happened? What happened here? Who is anxious and troubled? The server. Who has chosen the good? The sitter. The one who just sat. All right. So let me park it here just for a minute. What should then, just in entertaining, what should my focus be? Should it be on my table setting or my guests? Should it be on doing good? Okay. Discernment. Doing good or doing better? We have to have people to serve. Scripture is full of serving. We know it's important, but we have got to discern when the time is that we need to focus our thoughts, our hearts, our minds right on Jesus. So when your pastor or teaching elder preaches... For 30 or 40 minutes, you be fully engaged. You focus. You get rid of distractions. You ask God to take away the distractions so that you can focus on what is being taught. Make sure you do that. Otherwise, again, going to church then just becomes, oh, I get to see my friends. That's not the point. It's good. But that's not the point. So to be a Mary is not to not serve, but know when you ought to listen. That is one of the times. Here's the other time. When you are reading your Bible, be all there. I cannot tell you how many times, because I am familiar with the Scripture, and I can read In fact, I have done this occasionally. Part of my brain is reading, and the other part is making the list of the things I have to do that day. And I will, I can't tell you how many times I've stopped myself and said, wait a minute, I don't know what I just read. I better go through this again. And it may take a third time. And that third time I'm going, whoa, I am so glad I got it. So when you are reading your Bible, be all there. Be there. What is it that I need to hear today? Be all there. Uh, The law and the prophets are summed up this way. Love the Lord your God. And Mary demonstrated that. Martha was... Love your neighbor as yourself, which is good. But what is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God. So what do we do? So we listen to what God's word is saying. All right, let's go on. John 11. You all know the story of the raising of Lazarus. Um, one of the things I hope maybe you'll circle in this passage in John 11 is how many times you see the word believe. I think it's seven times the word believe comes in. So that is going to be important. Now remember, we're, we're learning something about Jesus and what, what he meant, not just for this family, but for us. As beloved friends, Martha and Mary sent Jesus a message. He whom you love is ill. This is no I am. This message will take a while to travel to its destination. How odd, then, that Jesus would take his time. He wasn't in a hurry to journey back to Bethlehem. Can you picture Martha and Mary... Coming out of the door of their home and looking down the road, do you see him? No, i don't see him. You go out you go out a little further, see if you see him. No, i don't see him. anxiously awaiting, knowing that their brother lazarus he's not doing well. He may not make it. Um, did the request go unheeded? We know that Jesus loved these friends dearly. It says so twice. In verses 5 and 36, he loved them. They were dear friends. So what was this divine delay all about? Martha and Mary don't know the whole story like we do. We know how it turns out. But I wonder if we could trust God enough that if we will wait, we could, if we could wait more patiently, we would see God's glory. Lazarus is dead now, four days gone. Um, there is no chance. He is just unconscious. Um, you know, some people like to use that phrase, the swoon theory. No, he was dead. He had been wrapped in burial cloths. He was in his tomb. Um, they had the funeral, if that's what you call it, and Jesus missed it. He missed the whole thing. Their friendship is being tested. Does Jesus love us? Is this how you treat your friends? They are, they're conflicted. They're having a hard time with this. When Jesus finally came, Martha wasted no time. I just picture her picking up her skirts, and she is running down that dusty path to Jesus. She sees him coming. He's not even in the city yet, and she runs to meet him. True to her personality, even before he walks into town, there she is. Verse 20, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She believes that. She had Jesus' confidence in Jesus that he could heal. And partly it's as long as Jesus is here. If he's here, I know he could do it. Think about the times when Jesus healed and he wasn't there. What a lot of faith that took. So uh, Martha knew that Jesus could heal, but she limited Jesus' ability. Her thinking was just too narrow. Jesus never did explain his delay, but he revealed himself to Martha, a woman, by the way, as another of the great I am's in scripture. There are seven times when Jesus helps us understand who he is by saying, I am, I am the bread of life. I am the gate. In this instance, this is number five of seven. And he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, Keep in mind that every time these I I am means that it is present tense. This is not something in the future. This is for right now. Um, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus brought the resurrection out of the future and into the present. He brought her focus back to himself, not to the if only. Let's bring it back here come back to me, look at me, look in my eyes. I am the resurrection and the life. Mary discerned, Martha discerned truth and said, yes, Lord. She could look him in the eye and say, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She might not know all the details of how and when and where, but in the middle of grief, she responded as a true follower of Jesus. I'm going to turn real fast. I love this passage in John 6. Jesus in John 6 has revealed himself as the bread of life but people are having a hard time accepting it. They're just going, uh, we don't get this. We're supposed to eat your body and drink your blood. And the scripture says that a lot of people who had been following him turned away. So then Jesus goes back to the 12. And he says in uh, John six sixty seven, Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, and I love this, and I can't tell you how many times I come back to this scripture. He answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. One of the ways that this scripture encourages me is if I feel discouraged or I think, I don't I don't know if I... Is it worth it? Should I do this anymore? And I say to myself, where else am I going to go? Am I going to start trusting in myself? Ha! Who else? What other way am I going to follow? And I'm brought back. No, you. You're the one. You're the one that gives eternal life. We know that. So I just like Peter's declaration there. Jesus calls for Mary, and Mary came quickly too. Again, It says, she fell at Jesus' feet. Second time, she fell at Jesus' feet. She says the exact same words. Lord, if you had been here, my my brother wouldn't have died. Exact same words. I don't know if they rehearsed it or if they had just been thinking out loud, as sisters might do. She used the exact same words, but she got a different response from Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Verse 33 says, Jesus was uh, deeply moved and greatly troubled by Mary's tears, by Mary's weeping. Many commentators say that this word has not been translated well, but it is a tough word to, to translate, in fact, the Greek word, is, well, it's Greek to me, that's, that's a, that's a That's a mouthful. But basically, it's the idea of to bellow with rage. So he is raging in a sense. What is he raging against? What is that? Death stirred Jesus to anger. He knew this is not how it's supposed to be. The Greek word trouble is tarasso, means agitated, stirred up, disquieted, unsettled. Jesus was troubled by the ravages of death that entered the world because of sin. Sin was and is the great enemy. But soon he would take on death and he would defeat it. Verse uh, 35, Jesus wept. The Greek word is dakruo, which means tears. And this is the only time in the New Testament that this particular word is used. And obviously, it is only used of Jesus. It is not not the time that Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Different word. It is not the loud wailing of ancient civilizations did to mourn people. It was not... That kind of word. It is not helplessness because he knows that resurrection is just minutes away. He knows. But in his humanity, Jesus cried. And I think that goes back to um, Isaiah 53. He was a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. He understands grief. I was even wondering, did Jesus cry? when his earthly father, Joseph, died? Were there other times he would have cried? I think so. And for the very same reason, saying, oh, it hurts. It's awful. But he entered, he entered into the grief. One year, our daughter, our children went to a Christian school, and one year our daughter entered a Christian school competition. It was scripture memorization. She memorized Uh, John 11, and I was surprised how hard it would be to say those words. How do you express, Jesus wept? How do you say it? How do you say it? I mean, in fact, I even practice it in front of the mirror. How do I, how would I say it? How would I express that grief? Jesus wept. He entered in to their grief. Uh, let's see. He grieved in the sister's sorrow. Tim Keller says, and one of the books you may, I, I sometimes like to re- recommend books. A number of years ago, I read a book by Tim Keller. It's called Encounters with Jesus. And one chapter, he, he uh, talks about Martha and Mary. And he said, that Jesus offered to each sister exactly what they needed. For Martha, remember, they both had the same, the same uh, comment. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. For Martha, she needed the ministry of truth. I'm the resurrection in her life. Bring it back. Bring it back to me. Focus on me. For Mary, it was the ministry of tears. Let me just enter in with her. Let me just weep with her. I think about, and you think about your own children, how you raise your children. You know, when we were first having kids, we just thought, well, this is how we did it with Eric. So this is how we'll do it with Jennifer. Mm mm, doesn't work. Well, maybe it may not work for Jennifer, but maybe it'll work for Kyle. Mm mm, it doesn't work. So you have to kind of fine tune how you discipline, how you interact. Um, with them. That's exactly what Jesus did. He knew exactly. He fine-tuned. He does that for us. How How he teaches one person may be different about how he teaches me, but he's still teaching because he knows our personalities. He knows us better than we know ourselves, Psalm 139. He knows those things, and so he says, okay, this is what this sister needs. This is what this sister needs. Um, Jesus does that and it's remarkable. Now, Jesus is always in the business of calling us to trust him, but trust him now when he says, Take the stone away. Take the stone away. What? Martha, always practical, she states the obvious there's going to be an odor. <laughs> This is not going to be good. Are you sure you know what you're doing here? Again, believe. Martha, look at me again. Believe. Look at me. Look at me. Not anybody else. Look at me. Don't think about the smell. Look at me. Uh, Again, oh, actually, I have written down here eight times. So look for eight times that believe is used or forms of it. The sisters had to believe Jesus enough to remove the stone. In verses uh, uh, 40, and then even back to 4, again, can we bear a thing if we understand that it leads to the glory of God? This is going to lead to the glory of God. How in the world can death lead to the glory of God? That's what they're having a little trouble with. Uh, In 41 and 42, we're privileged to read one of Jesus' prayers to his father. It is answered prayer, by the way. It is rocking Judaism kind of answers. And it kind of goes back to verse 37, when the people, the friends, people of uh, Bethany said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? And Jesus, in his prayer, says, on account of the people standing around, I want them to believe that you sent me. So he's not it this is not the glory of God is not going to be just for Martha and Mary, but for others. This goes beyond one family sorrow and grief. The people of Bethany. Those of Jerusalem, remember, only two miles away. Indeed, everyone who reads these words, us, may believe that Jesus is the one sent from God, who is God, who is the Messiah, and glorify God because of it. In verse 43, Jesus says, and again, I, pra- I tried to practice this. How do you say this? It says that Jesus cried out, Lazarus! come forth i don 't think he said it with anger. I think he said it with anticipation but but it says he cried out so it 's forceful. Lazarus come out, maybe he's smiling i don 't know um, It was so funny when i when I was studying this out, I had like three or four commentaries li- listened to lots of podcasts, lots of um, Sermons, stuff like that. Three different commentaries said this, but versions of it. They said, if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus's name, every person in the graves would have risen. I kind of got a kick out of that. Walford said, Augustine said that. Warren Wearsby said, a quaint Puritan said that. <laughs> and John Phillips said, an old infidel who was lecturing heard it of, of, of a pastor. It's just so interesting, that such a wide variety. That didn't cross my mind. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Verse forty. Oh, yeah. So, listen. Oh, this is such an important one. This is very dramatic, and I have almost forgot to say it. <laughs> so, he has just said, Lazarus, come out. After the cry, a deafening silence. Then a sound, a stirring, a struggle, movement, and Lazarus, bound and struggling against the grave cloths, came walking out. Again, talk about stunning silence. Each of these instances, I think there's just total silence because people are just blown away. So the first thing I wondered was, did Jesus and Lazarus hug? You know what? Now it was like tears of joy? I don't know. Verse 45 says, many believed in him. Many believed in him. I told you you'd see the glory of God. I told you just believe. All right. Jesus has been summoned by, oh, yeah, back. I'm going to backtrack just a minute. In verses 7 and 8. Jesus has been summoned by Martha and Mary, and finally Jesus says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea again. But the disciples know that this is dangerous. They know that those district dwellers had already tried to stone him. uh, Thomas called it. He said, they were as good as dead. But he said, I'm willing to go with you to Jesus, with you, Jesus, to death. Jesus even knew that it would sign his death warrant, and still he went. Verse 53, it says, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. And you know what? Jesus raised Lazarus anyway. And you know what else? Lazarus is us. We were dead. We were decayed but when we believed, we stepped out of our grave clothes and were set free, alive. Hallelujah. What a Savior. I've run out of time, so we're not even getting to the third one. But anyway, you've got two, two bits of the story. So, is that all right? I just have one more. It is John 12. Do you care? If you need to get coffee... I understand a yawn is a silent scream for coffee. <clears throat> I called John 12, uh, 1 through 11. I didn't know what to call it, if it's, if it's Mary's perfect gift, if it's Mary's fragrant gift. It's, it's kind of all those. This is likely the Saturday before the Good Friday. Nobody knows that. Jesus does. So this is Saturday. In seven more days, he's going to be dead. Jesus knows that. The others do not. I called it uh, Bad Friday. Good Friday. The three siblings are there this time. Martha is serving Jesus. Lazarus is reclining with Jesus. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and anointing Jesus. Perhaps this is a thank-you dinner honoring Jesus, but wait, do you hear Martha complaining? No. Do you hear Jesus gently rebuking her? No. Maybe lesson learned. In fact, Martha does her part so that Mary can do hers. Do you hear Lazarus speaking? It's interesting That Lazarus never speaks, but his life spoke volumes anyway. Many believed on him because of his resurrection, because of what Jesus did. Always in a a position of humility, Mary is at Jesus' feet for the third time. This time, she has a gift for Jesus. A pound, though probably scholars say it's probably more 11 or 12 ounces, of spikenard or nard. Uh, Spikenard is mentioned in the Song of Solomon. It is a fragrant oil or rosin from a North India plant. Think Himalayas, which is interesting when I studied that out because our daughter and son-in-law live in the North part. They're not too many hours from the Himalayas, so they are in New Delhi, which is the North part of India. So that's where Spikenard comes from, which is also why it would be very expensive. It's coming a long way. And again, scholars say uh, to buy this pound or this 11 ounces of spikenard probably would be a year's wages. I try to picture this scene Surely the servants have already washed the guest's feet. That's what you got to do. My three little grandsons that live in New Delhi, (laughs) my daughter Jennifer, she has to make them wash their feet every night. And it doesn't matter that the dear house help and her daughter, they wet mop the floors every single day. And it's still... So every and one time she took a picture of the bottom of the boy's feet. It's just black as coal. It was awful, and and that's after cleaning. So you understand in cultures where for Jesus his disciples they're just wearing sandals, they're walking everywhere, dusty, dirty. Servants wash the feet. Um, does uh, oh Mary? All of a sudden they realize wait a minute, the servant said, what's Mary doing? She has got a jar of this spikenard. She's opening the jar. She begins to pour it over Jesus' feet, all 11 or 12 ounces of this rare rosin or ointment. She pours it over Jesus' feet. Wait, there's no towel. Does somebody go get a towel? Women don't usually unclasp their hair in front of men, but Mary is. Did she even think twice? Or was her hair the plan? Surely this is a holy moment and one again of stunned silence. I wonder, was anyone actually surprised by her action Had she discussed it with Martha and Lazarus? Did those around her think, Wow, that's just like Mary? Mary, quiet Mary, seemed to be one step ahead of everyone else. Did she grasp what others could not? Did she discern something because she had sat and listened at Jesus' feet? Did she sense death was closing in on her beloved friend? Did her three years of listening to Jesus and meditating on his words give her insight, give her that discernment? Verse 3 says, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. How long would that fragrance of the nard linger in their home or around Jesus for that matter? I don't know about you, but certain smells evoke memories. I call it, I guess I call it olfactory memories. I can smell something, and suddenly I am transported back to my childhood, Wheaton, Illinois, five years old. It's just so unusual. So I wonder if for the rest of their lives, Mary and Martha and Lazarus When they smelled that, they thought, I remember, I remember, I remember that smell. Have you ever said of a loved one or a friend who has died, I wish I had said, I wish I had done. Mary didn't wait. Mary acted. Mary demonstrated what was in her heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. She loved Jesus first and is Jesus worthy yes oh yes so it is very interesting in verse 4 that Lazarus is the one who probably breaks this stunned silence judas's re- uh, recorded words are few he is um he, it, he his words are stated in Matthew twenty six forty nine and 27, 4. But this is what he says. Uh, whoops, I'm still on chapter 11. Sorry. He says, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? That's the silence he breaks, saying that. For a brief moment, Mary might have felt embarrassed by her decision to anoint Jesus with such an expensive gift. Maybe Judas was right. Maybe the poor, maybe. Again, notice Jesus' response to Judas. He knows what Judas is about to do. Judas reveals what is in his heart. Judas, who does not care for the poor, who lines his own pocket with the community purse, who will bargain away God's life for 30 pieces of silver. I think Jesus answered quietly, It's for my burial. You'll always have the poor to care for. Leave her alone. Jesus was not saying, Don't care anything about the poor. No, that's not what he was saying at all. He said, there will always be poor that you will want to care for. I'm almost gone. I'm only going to be here for a few more days. Um, Twice, Jesus defends Mary. Once from Martha in Luke 10 and once from Judas in John 12. Mary does not speak up or defend herself, so Jesus does. The orders to arrest Jesus in chapter 1157 widen to perhaps maybe we need to go ahead and get rid of the evidence, meaning we better kill Lazarus as well. 12.9 is the idea, yeah, let's destroy the evidence of resurrection. And this is the last time we hear of these three beloved friends of Jesus but their lives and the lessons learned hold our attention. Martha, it appears, is a woman of action and serves well, always. Mary, listening carefully or crying mournfully, was anointing lovingly this day. Each sister called Jesus' friend. Each was devoted to Jesus and his teachings. Each had unique gifts talents, strengths they use to serve and honor the Lord. Let me ask you this. Which sister better represents you? Is there wisdom in finding a balance between the two? Either way, being compared to Martha or Mary is a compliment. Thank you. I went over. Thank you for listening to this class from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay Varina, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this class to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more classes, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.